Happy Resurrection Sunday, everyone. Today, we are celebrating with Christians all over the globe an important event in history, the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's heaven's triumph over the forces of darkness. As we reflect on this sacred event that happened more than 2,000 years ago, we are confronted with a basic question why is Resurrection Sunday so important to us today? Looking at the letter of the Apostle Paul to the Corinthian church will help us see reasons why Christ's resurrection is indeed important. The church in Corinth was pioneered and pastored by the Apostle Paul himself. Thus, he was writing like a father to his beloved children. After dealing with some problems the church was facing, he reminded them of the very foundation of the gospel he preached. Jesus came, Jesus died, Jesus rose again, and he is coming back. Aware that when he left the church, false apostles came and taught the church that there was no resurrection, he reminded them in this manner. In 1 Corinthians 15, 12-22, goes, But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God. For we have testified about God that He raised Christ from the dead. But He did not raise Him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For us, Adam and all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. From this passage, please allow me to propose three reasons why Christ's resurrection is important to us today. Number one, His resurrection is the anchor of our faith. Can you imagine if Christ did not rise from the grave? How would the world look like? Locked in? This is how the message translates what Paul is saying in 1 Corinthians 15, 13-20. If Christ did not rise from the grave, there is no living Christ. Everything we told you is smoke and mirrors. We would be guilty of telling a string of barefaced lies about God. All you're doing is wandering about in the dark and lost as ever. Even worse for those who died because 
they're already in the graves. We're a pretty sorry lot. What a sad scenario if Jesus did not rise from the grave. After Paul showed the church the negative implication, if ever Christ did not rise from the grave, he made a strong contrast. 1 Corinthians 15.20 But Christ has indeed raised from the dead the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. It is interesting to note that Paul knew his audience and so he was using the language that they understood. Although earlier he was talking about the gifts of the Spirit and the fruits of the Spirit. But first fruits was a practice in the olden times when they would bring these first fruits as a sacrifice and offering to the Lord. When you see a banana tree, bunch of banana tree like this, you can tell where the first fruit is from here down here. It gets smaller down here, but the ones here are bigger. These are the first fruits. If you're a mother who gave birth to a, your first child, that is your first fruit. The other children will be other fruits. What made Paul so confident of his stand on Christ's resurrection when he was not even a part of the 12 disciples were our eyewitnesses of Jesus' death and resurrection? Take, for instance, Mary. While she and the other ladies were going to the grave that early morning, as they were walking, they were discussing who's going to roll away the stone, heavy stone, and even guarded. When they arrived at the grave, surprise of all surprise, the stone was rolled away. It was empty. Mary stayed in the grave where the disciples went back, sobbing in, his, in her grief. She could not decipher. When Jesus called her woman, she thought the voice was coming from that garden, gardener in that graveyard. She said, if you know where Jesus is, please let me know so I can go there. But then another voice was calling her Mary. And at that point, she recognized a familiar voice. When she opened her eyes, lo and behold, she said in Aramaic, Rabboni, my master teacher. She was an eyewitness of the risen Lord. She could not help but so excited went and called his disciples, told them about what had happened. She told them, I've seen the Lord. At other instance, while the disciples were in that room, upper room, scared, afraid of what was going on, suddenly Jesus came and showed up in their midst and he said, Peace be unto you. I could imagine if I were there, how would I feel? What would be my emotion if I were there? 
excited. I would be overjoyed. Unfortunately, Thomas, who was called the doubter and skeptic, was not there. And so when the disciples related the story to him, he said, unless I would see the mark in his hands, of the nail in his hands, and on his side, I will not believe. I think he spoke too soon because a few days later, while all the disciples, including Simon, or rather Thomas, was there, Jesus showed up and just the same said, Peace be unto you. A familiar statement when we attend Mass, the concluding part of the Mass, Peace be unto you and you too. After that, Jesus singled Thomas. He said, come on, Thomas. Please come near. Showed him his hands. He said, look at my hands. Jesus showed the nail print of his hands. Look at my side. Thomas saw the side where that shoulder burst that spear and water and blood gushed out of that side. He could not help himself, but he knelt down and said, My Lord and my God. Paul did not have those experiences of being an eyewitness. While it is true that Paul was not one of the original disciples of Jesus, he had his own personal and dramatic encounter with Jesus the risen Lord and Savior, on his way to Damascus. Paul's conversion, as recorded by Luke in the book of Acts, starting from verse 1 of chapter 9, goes, Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogue in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. Acts 9 6 As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed him around him. He fell to the ground. And heard the voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked, I am Jesus, whom you are preaching, persecuting rather. He replied, now get up and go into the city and you'll be told what you must do. At Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord showed him in a vision to visit and pray for this man, Paul, at exact location. But Ananias was a little bit hesitant because of his knowledge about this person, what evil he has done. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings 
and before the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. As the pioneer pastor of Corinthian church, Paul said that because Christ is risen, he was saying to the Corinthian church, our preaching of the gospel is not useless but powerful. We are not false witnesses, but we are true witnesses, and our faith is strengthened. With this COVID-19 pandemic we are facing right now, making a lot of people worried, fearful, they can be the next victim. May our faith be strengthened as we anchor it on the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Second reason, his resurrection gives us freedom from sin. The Bible tells us sin entered the world through one man, Romans 5.12. When Adam sinned, succumbed to the temptation of the devil, they committed sin before God. Fall short. They fall short of the glory of God. As a result of that, the Bible declares, Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I could not forget the illustration of my professor in seminary many years back. As he, we, he, we were talking about the doctrine of sin or amartya. He was using this illustration of a person who was trying to hit with his arrow, trying to hit the mark, pulling that arrow as far as he can, so there would be strength to hit the mark. As he released that arrow, instead of hitting the mark, it hit the tree on the other side. That is missing the mark, falling short. And that is sin. When Adam and sin and Adam and Eve committed sin, they fall short of the glory of God. And as a result, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 tells us, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The payment of sin is death. There are two kinds of death that we have to face. One is what we're facing today. Counting the death all over the world with what's happening today. So disappointing, so discouraging. This is the second death that we're going to face. But before this, there was death that happened in the past. And that was when Adam committed sin, there was death. Relationship with the Lord was cut off. Spiritual, spiritual death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Familiar verse in John 3.16 says, 
for God so loved the world that they gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believe in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Jesus gives us eternal life. He is the source of life. The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. According to 1 Corinthians 15, 56 to 57. But thanks be to God, He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Christ's death was the complete payment for the penalty of our sin. When Jesus died on the cross, and He said, It is finished. The work of redemption was done. It was not easy for Jesus to go through Calvary. If you remember, he negotiated with the Father, praying the whole night with his disciples. At the time, he was alone because the disciples were, were sleeping. Negotiated with the Father, if possible. Can you take this cup away from me? He was facing the cup, the suffering of, of, that he has to go through Calvary. But he said, not my will, but your will be done. Going through the process, the cross, hanging on the cross, he said, it is finished. The work of redemption is over. Jesus was not killed by the Roman soldiers. The Bible declares he gave his life. That when they were trying to break his bones, did not have to do it because he was already he was already dead. But Jesus did not stay in the grave; he resurrected. Christ's resurrection defeated the power and sting of death. That today we can enjoy this freedom from the bondage of sin because Christ rose from the grave. Thirdly, and lastly, his resurrection is our hope for eternity. Paul said, if only for this life we have hope in Christ. Verses 19 to 20. We are to be pitied more than all men. But a contrast, a very strong contrast, but because he was raised from the dead, he became the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Paul was assuring the Corinthian church that resurrection brings hope even to those who were already in the grave. At the same time, resurrection gives comfort to those who were grieving for the loss of their loved ones. He's saying death is only a temporary separation because there is going to be a resurrection of those who died in Christ. When this happens, there is going to be a reunion with our loved ones. Therefore, it is not a hopeless case, but something we can look forward to. Jesus was the first fruit, or the first fruits. But someday, when he returns to this earth, his people who have died will also rise, and they are second fruits. 
to meet him in the air. It is sad to hear that some of our well-respected and dedicated doctors, medical people, and frontliners, including our ambassador to Libya, have lost their lives in this war against COVID-19. Oh, we honor them for their dedication and untiring service to our people. They are our modern heroes, as commended by our president. While we grieve together with their loved ones because of such separation, the Apostle Paul is assuring us today, this is temporary because there is going to be a great reunion with our loved ones when the Lord will come again. Our hope is not only anchored on the fact that Jesus is alive, but also on his return to earth as he promised to facilitate that glorious reunion. Here is Paul's graphic scenario when Jesus comes as recorded in 1 Thessalonians. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and our lift will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. First Thessalonians 4, 16 to 17. Well, the ordeal of this war against COVID-19 this past few weeks has not been an easy journey for all of us today. We are rejoicing with hope over the fact that Jesus is alive. He rose from the grave. Death could not hold him. He conquered death. Every knee shall bow and every time confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Christ's resurrection is indeed important to all of us today because, number one, it is the anchor of our faith. Number two, it gives us freedom from sin. And thirdly, it is our hope for eternity. The Lord bless all of us. Again, happy Resurrection Sunday. God bless.